Hi everyone, David here. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Foresight Climate and Energy. If you like what you hear and want access to more of our fascinating in-depth content on the energy transition, you need to subscribe. You can try us for 30 days for just €29, Euros, which will get you full access to our website and app. We also have a wide range of subscription packages to fit you or your company's needs. Follow the link in the show notes or go to www.foresightdk.com forward slash subscribe to find out more. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Energy Enablers, the podcast from Foresight Climate and Energy, talking to those working every day on the front line of the energy transition. My name is David Weston and my guest this week is Tor Haradshoy, CEO of EV charging platform Spiri. Today we're talking about how startups can navigate their way around the big money world of the energy sector. And having started in 2019, Spiri can claim to be an entrepreneurial success story. In our conversation, we touch on why Denmark is a great place for new companies to develop and why digitalization is going to be an essential part of the energy transition. Enjoy the show. Hi, Tora. Thank you so much for joining us on Energy Enablers. Perhaps we can just briefly start with you. What is your background and did you always want to work in the energy or mobility sectors? Uh, well, it was not my grand master plan to work in energy for my first job. It was a job opportunity came up. Uh, it was back in the days of 1988. Uh, I got a call for a job in the largest energy company in Denmark, uh, a local one. At that time, energy was not as sustainable <laughs> as it is today. It was mainly oil, gas, uh, coal, all of the dirty things, which is now transforming. Uh, but it was my first job and it got me into a large corporation to sort of learn a lot of basics about uh, the industry, a lot of basics about how technology works. Uh, and uh, that was my first job. Uh, there was a lot of optimization at that time, but it was merely within the fossil fuel world of how to optimize co-production of uh, heat and power, sort of optimize how one used fossil fuel. Not until just a couple of years later, sort of the whole transition of the energy sector came along. And I was sort of along that road from the beginning by coincidence. And it, of course, attracted my sort of uh, interest and uh, deep passion uh, as we went on the energy sector and I combined. Why is that? What what really piqued your interest? What was it about the transition that really yeah attracted you to it? The center of many of our sort of future troubles and pains comes from energy. And already at that time, it was clear that energy sort of has around 40% of all CO2 emissions. So looking into a future world of zero emission, energy would have a center role and centerpiece of sort of uh, the tools for transforming the globe into a zero emission uh, state. And that, of course, attracted me. And alongside sort of that discussion within the infrastructure and the energy production, there was a lot of interesting topics which were to be sort of analyzed and to be followed. And that was sort of the the thing which really interested me. And from an early phase, sort of, I saw a lot of opportunities within this field of, uh, of, of industry. So how did you fall into the sort of transport and mobility sector? Spiri is a, a, a 
EV charging software platform ostensibly with lots of various other products coming off of that now. How did you get from sort of the energy sector into the mobility sector and why? Yeah, it came as a natural step for me. Uh, in Back in 2006, I was appointed managing director in Eon, one of the larger European uh, sort of energy utilities. And already at that time, there was a few discussions of how to transform energy uh, within Eon. I, as managing director, got a lot of autonomy in driving sort of the the business uh, in, in, the, in Denmark and in the Nordics. Uh, and following that, I sort of looked into biogas production from waste products, which is a way of sort of recycling all sort of energy going around and life cycle economics. It was also PV from solar. It was offshore wind. And it was... Uh, Already in 2013, an opportunity which came along, which was e-mobility in its very premature phase. Uh, energy consumption in the mobility sector or in transport is like 30% of all energy used. So already at that time, it was a sort of a huge sort of potential sort of to look into how can we transform the mobility sector into something sustainable. And an opportunity came along in 2013 from my point of view in the sense that a company called Better Place, which were in battery shifting uh, sort of technology, sort of uh, their first steps on that sort of went bankrupt. But their infrastructure came along as an opportunity for me to acquire within the in-group. And from that infrastructure, which was a very early stage of uh, EV charging, I did sort of build and grow the whole EV infrastructure business of Ian, uh, first of all in, in Denmark and then in the Nordics. And later on, that came became the platform for what is Ian Drive today. So from an early stage, I saw the opportunity that if we wanted to transform into a sustainable future, we were and we needed to look into the mobility sector. And the technologies available at that time were primarily uh, electrification, which later on proven to be the sort of the winner of this transformation for a long time. And the platform I acquired at that time on an early stage was looking back quite forward looking in the sense that it was a winner. And I grew that with a bunch of very sort of dedicated employees to be sort of come the EN Drive platform as it is today. And that was our, my way into e-mobility uh, alongside the other transformations which I did within waste to energy and PV, solar, offshore wind, which was a big portfolio of transitions, which I sort of took a bet on within my job as managing director within EN. But so now you've you launched Spiri in 2019, you've gone down, you, you, you've stuck to the transport and, and mobility sector. What opportunities did you see then in that sector uh, and why have you kind of committed to that? You said you had all the work with renewables and things like that from through Eon. Why did you really commit to, to transport and Spiri? Uh, it came out of the, me having a vision that sort of the thing that we were doing with the EV transformation, sort of making charging of EV vehicles within sort of a global scaling would be sort of a key component in bringing zero emissions to the world. And from having a larger portfolio, I dedicated my sort of my future vision to doing what sort of I saw had the larger footprint in the shortest time span. And I also took the decision that after five years of growing and, and building a, a sustainable portfolio for Ian, it was time sort of 
to do this uh, within a, my own setup and to pursue my own vision of a future e-mobility market. And in 2019, uh, uh, me, myself, and a, a co-founder, uh, also from Ian, we said we want to do this as our prime focus. We want to do this within a setup which can be scalable across the globe. And we wanted to provide a software platform which allows us sort of to scale and to uh, adapt to solutions across borders, across nations, across customer segments. And that was sort of the beginning of Spiri, where we sort of uh, almost four years from now, from today, sort of uh, did found Spiri and now has grown into being a true international uh, software company. Yeah, that's amazing. So you've only been going not quite four years, um, very nearly four years possibly as this podcast is released. That growth that you've seen over the last few years has been incredible. You've kind of matched the growth of the electric vehicle sector, I guess, as well. What are some of the challenges, firstly, that you've uh, faced as a startup in the energy sector and the energy transition? Yeah, we, like any newcomer uh, in the market, like anyone who sort of spearhead a new market, like anyone who want to build something uh, and structure it from, from scratch, uh, a lot of interesting and fascinating and troublesome uh things came up uh first of all we decided early on to 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 focus on software uh, at that point in time it was mere, more a hardware game uh, ev charging was a charger standing out there and you were able to charge but for a very early stage we sort of decided that bringing intelligence to that hardware uh, bringing sort of the integrations to all the new profit pools would, would arise from this new market was the area we wanted to go into. So even though hardware was the thing which were built, we were deploying software to that hardware across borders for different partners. As software integrates and connects, it is software is the thing enabling and unlocking all the value streams, all the business cases, all the user experiences all the integrations to grid and vehicle, basically everything. Right. So we saw that if we were to sort of accelerate this transition, we were to deploy software. And that was our sort of prime focus. And we were one of the very, very early adapters uh, in the market for doing that. Mm. Then, of course, as you said, a lot of troubles <laughs> and things came up. Uh, we started out uh, late 2019. And since then, in this four-year time span, we have had three major global crises, sure. uh, which were a part of our journey and part of our DNA, it is, course, but yeah. also part of how we grow strong. It where we came first with the COVID lockdown and for the markets we were in, it was free lockdowns where sort of people sure. didn't sort of go to work <laughs> full time. Wow. People yeah. were not buying assets full time. We were to deploy a software to someone who sort of were Partly on work, partly not on work. Business cases were sort of iced for a for a part of the time. That sure. was a big thing for us. But it also helped us in making sure that we could do things digitalized and sort mm -hmm. of uh, online instead of being out there, which sort of came as a big help for us. Later on, there was a supply crisis came out of the COVID. People could not get sort of devices, which is needed for the hardware, which we actually deploy software for. So for a long time, there was a bottleneck and a time delay in getting hardware to market. And also that sort of delayed and made our journey <laughs> a little troublesome. Yeah. Then 
we had the last big crisis now coming out of the the war in Ukraine, uh, bringing an energy crisis, which took sort of following came that very high energy prices, uh, big global inflation making sort of two things. First of all, the uh, price of energy went up. So people also on electricity sort of had a little setback on how, how fast are we going to roll out e-mobility. There was a sort of a question mark on that. But also just the mere thing about when uh, interest rates goes up and inflation goes up, mm. sort of the whole thing about funding new businesses, people mm. retract a little more saying, why well, we want to stick to what we know <laughs> is working right now and we want to yeah. deploy money on things which is working right now. We had this sort of steady belief that this was going to be the winner of the future. But of course, our partners who were to deploy our things maybe had a little more sort of room for thinking uh, when to do it. Yeah. And so we had three major international crises while doing this. Absolutely. But it all helped us in sort of in, in building a universe which was automated, which was easy, uh, applicable for all the partners. And sort of we took sort of also the pain out of this is not for just for saving the world is also for people to make money because mm. the best thing you can do is incentivize the partners. So this is a true business case. You can actually do a business out of it and make your revenue streams mm. while you're saving the, the environment and the future mm. of, the, of the world. And that was strengthened all of you this journey because of all the crises that we have been in while growing a super hyper growth company like Spiri. Mm. Do you think, um, obviously, as you said, especially the recent, more recent economic issues that um, have plagued most of Europe uh, and I think globally, um, so obviously investment, as you say, kind of drawn back and perhaps um, newer companies, invest, uh, startups, uh, perhaps not able to access the pool of funding that they were once uh, bef- were able to perhaps before the pandemic. How did you navigate that? Why do you think Spiri was able to be was able to find the investments that it needed to grow as quickly as you have done? It comes out of the sort of the uniqueness of our platform. It comes mm-hmm. out that we are front runner. It, I think also it comes out of the year we are sort of spearheading the technology in this area. Right. Uh, this market is still sort of in the pr- very premature phase. Right. Uh, we are very few. Uh, companies who can do what we do in the market. We are few companies who actually have the ability to integrate to every hardware out there to be able for our partners to scale across borders. So when they deploy a business, they can look into actually doing that in multiple areas. Mm. They can do that on multiple user segments, which is sort of the EV drivers out there. And as we had that uniqueness in our platform, as we had that easy, adaptable a portfolio of products for them to adapt to their uh, business. Mm. But also we had a very agile sort of a scaling uh, uh, platform, which allowed them to go to market within one or two months after decision. Right. It was easy for them actually to, both of our partners to deploy our software, but also then for us to keep sort of the technology uh, lead that we had. And sure. in that sense, our investors, which we sort of have on our side, were sort of, uh, committed all through this journey because mm. the strong belief in what we do, both as a necessi- necessary enabler of the future, but also as a sort of uh, a front runner on technology for bringing all this intelligent mobility, which will come mm. uh, and which will come through our platform via the very sort of 
large-scale partners we already onboarded throughout sort of uh, the, the globe. Hi, everyone. Me again. Please do rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. It really helps us out, means we can make more shows like this, and means more people can find us. Also, a quick reminder to subscribe to Foresight Climate and Energy so you don't miss out on any of our other podcasts or long-form journalism. Head to the link in the show notes or go to www.foresightdk.com forward slash subscribe. And do you think perhaps having um, a Danish background being based in in Denmark or do you think that has an advantage? Does the market allow allow you to operate in a in a safer way and be able to grow so more quickly? I think in that sense we were lucky that we sort of were born uh, out of the Danish market, not because of being Danish, but because in this particular segment, this industry, the Nordics, which sort of are, are also were part of front running in in from 2013 and onwards, uh, Denmark, Norway, Sweden has been one of the front runners of in markets. Uh, on bringing EV to end consumers and mm. EV charging infrastructure to to the market, and as sort of this was the first wave of uh, of e-mobility, we were sort of born in an environment ecosystem where it was possible to bring new solutions and test them in in this these markets. Later on, sort of the rest of Europe is now coming massively within sort of these uh, this industry as well, and we have sort of been able to to sort of scale these products we launched within the Nordics to the rest of Europe. Sure. And now we are sort of also scaling it to the latecomers like the American market, if it's Asia, if it's Africa. All markets is going on this wave, but it's like a wave pushing out from the center what's sort of the European, maybe the Nordic market. And we were sort of in the center from the beginning with obviously helped us in bringing the right solution, which we actually already had a proof case. We already had partners. It's much easier to go to market when you actually have operations. You have a platform which, uh, by definition, works when you bring it to our new partners out there. Hmm. And how are you able to compete against more established companies? And have you managed to navigate between those challenges effectively? You know, Eon um, must be developing a, an EV charging platform. Tesla, all of the major automakers must have similar platforms that they're developing. There's probably other third parties like Spiri that are trying to develop similar platforms. Why? Um, how are you able to navigate that world with probably companies that have much bigger budgets and much bigger reach? I'll come to the conclusion first. It, we sort of navigate that world by our only true resource, and that is our sort of uh, our human resource is our sort of, that is our basic assets. That is the people we have deployed from the beginning. So we sort of keep the lead in this market by the people we are, the, the agility we have, sort of the competence they sort of, they already have when we onboard these people. So that comes out of the network and the our ability to attract the people who make us sort of being in the front of this sort of whole wave of transition. But when it comes to sort of competing against the so the legacy partners, uh, players, which is out there, uh, the truth is that there was not that many because we were early markets. We were one of the first adopters. And as sort of some of the utilities and auto car makers had platforms, they were also early phase uh, platforms. Mm. We came in 2019 also in a phase where we could construct it all as the first, second wave platform. I have been part of the first wave through my sort of engagement with the end. 
we were able to build it from sort of scratch, build a platform which were sort of uh, sort of dedicated to all the new value streams coming in, dedicated to that partners could build their own business on top of it. It was not built for only servicing oneself. It was built for servicing partners around the globe. It was built for making uh, access to new revenue pools. It was built for making these partners go to market fast and easy with a very easy user experience on top of it. And in that sense, there were legacy players, but we were, it was actually an easy market because we could build it easily from scratch. Uh, and we had the time during COVID to really <laughs> optimize that. So we had a much better product from the beginning. Today, of course, because of the size of the market, we are talking $40 billion uh, market for the future of profits. Uh, so a lot of money has been attracted to this area. New players is coming in. So now we are more like sort of the legacy player. We are the one sort of proof points and we need to keep ourselves on toes <laughs> to make sure that we still are the agile, the front runner to not sort of have sort of the new players sort of uh, uh, overtaking us. And at the moment, it all comes down to the, to the people we are. It comes down to the platform we did build from an easy structure. And that is the way we sort of keep being sort of one of the very best sort of platforms out there across the world. Do you, I mean, I don't want you to comment necessarily on plans for the future and what you think might happen to Spree itself, but you see all the time these new startups, new new technologies developing, and then a big player, the Googles, maybe the Vestuses, the Austeds, come in and buy these smaller companies that are doing something novel and take them in-house. I don't think that's what you're planning to do with Spirit. Like, obviously, we can't predict the future. But do you think having these new companies and having lots of these new companies is better for the energy transition than having them subsumed into major corporations? Or do you think there's a, there's a role for both? I think in, in every market, in every phase of a transition, and this is this transition of the EV uh, industry is a mega trend, which will keep on sort of developing within with the next 20, 30 years, because we're just in sort of the early phases where you have basic charging solutions. Mm. The next phase is uh, sort of integration into energy demand systems to integration into grid and optimization of energy and grid capacity and mm. CO2 quotas. And all of this has already been included in the value streams that we sort of provide. Mm. This will bring a lot of further value. But of course, as the market matures, the bigger, sort of more settled player will look into it and they are sort of awaiting the time to do that. Uh, for them to keep sort of being sort of the better ones of providing a mature product, we will still always need sort of these agile companies like Spiri mm. to sort of uh, to to push the market limits for what we are going to do because I've been both working in a big, large corporation and now in a, in a, a large, sort of very fast-growing uh, entrepreneurial company like sure. Spiri. I know that to succeed in this market in the first phases, you need an agility, which is not something that a big corporation can do. Mm. So that's also why they wait and they look for opportunities on a later stage. Sure. And of course, there will there's already interest of what we're doing in Spear and the will in the future. But I think the basic thing of what we do is sort of the uh, the platform we build, mm. the uh, the new technologies we integrate. And that is should be our core sort of focus, no matter who is sort of uh, competing with us or no matter who of the bigger players, will, which will and they will come into this market because of sort of their interest in, in 
going into markets when they are commoditizing and when sort of they are right. more mature. And the market is there now. So that is, of course, why all of these companies, no matter why, whether it's a big utility, a big uh, car producer, whether it's a big software player, whether it's a big pre- payment provider, all of this is looking into how are we going to position ourselves in this market. Mm. But they will have trouble if they, from building it themselves. Right. So they need to look out for companies like Experian and others. Either they will not have a stake in it or they will have to partner up with uh, Experian or our colleagues out there. Mm. How do you see the uh, EV market developing uh, in the next sort of decade? You said it's, it's going to be a growth market pretty much around, all around the world. Um, so, yeah, how, how do you see that developing? Is it developing fast enough? Uh, and then secondly, uh, a lot of the issues seem to be around the EV market. The growth of the EV market is hardware. So why uh, are you focusing on the software side of things? Uh, we... Uh- Focus on software because we see that this is sort of where sort of all the value is being enabled. Uh, basically, hardware is a plug in the wall or a pole in the ground where you can sort of uh, charge from. Mm. All the intelligence coming into that plug in the wall of the charger itself is being brought by the software. Mm. And, uh, today, already now, sort of the software side is the thing which makes sort of uh, our partners uh, operate. It's the thing which makes our partner uh, do business. Sure. It's the things which actually make uh, the sort of whole user experience of using that charger into a seamless and troubled-less uh, experience for the EV driver. So the whole sort of value is being brought by the, the software. Mm-hmm. That's why we sort of focus on that. Sure. And it's also for the sort of the new value streams coming in. All the new value streams from uh, integration into whatever production or uh, consumption unit you have locally or mm. whatever integration you need to the uh, to the power grid or to CO2 quota, it will all be brought by the software. So this is where sort of the, the interesting thing happens. Right. Uh, uh, also, digitalization, which comes out of software, is yeah. the future of e-mobility. Sure. Uh, digitalization is the core of the whole energy transition. Mm. And that comes out of the software as well. That's the software play. In every charging, uh, charging in the future of your vehicle will be digitalized uh, in every part of it. So uh, energy consumption, production, and mobility, that will be interconnected mm. and enabled via software. Uh, so... This is sort of the this is where sort of uh, mm. the, the the interesting thing, but also the value streams will be enabled uh, when it comes to the future as well. Sort of uh, where the the energy market will go uh, mm. and the mobility market, uh, as we are now in a phase where sort of I would say that it is happening right now, even though people don't really see it. Sort of. This storm with this uh, EV transition is coming and it is right outside your door, even though it's not blowing too much sure. <laughs> inside at the moment. But sort of all the adapters, which is sort of the also the enablers of this, which is the car makers, mm. it's the hardware producers. They're all sort of uh, doing huge bets on this because they can see that this, this is ine- inevitable. Sure. It will happen. So all of the bottlenecks coming out of sort of the more hardware uh bottlenecks you saw in the in sort of the early days like can you get a car an ev car mm. can you get hardware to the market these will be sold with all the new players coming in from around around the globe so it's merely to make sure that our, our software is uh, applicable to all of these uh, hardware sort of uh, players out there and that is sort of some of the things that we already now have ensured in our certification sure. program so we are ready for the future 
uh, which is just around the corner. Are you not becoming more and more frustrated by the lack software, of yeah, hardware? I understand that software digitalization is where the businesses' opportunities are and, and, and things like that. But we can't use that software unless the hardware is in place to use it you know we can't speak like this over over an online platform without our computers in front of us same way we can't charge an ev smartly digitally without our plug Mm. are you not frustrated by the lack of charging infrastructure and the lack of evs in the market today Uh, i am but i'm also coming out of sort of my history with spiri been into these three major crises, so there has been bottlenecks all all along. Sure. And the bottlenecks we see today is uh, still there, and they are equally yeah. important. Just because sort of the demand for EVs, the demand for infrastructure has grown so much, but it also gives me comfort because that sort of that people actually are asking for, and the next car will be an electrical car. Uh, there's so much demand for putting up infrastructure and there has been deployed so much money into sort of the infrastructure companies and deploying these uh, charges. So the push for producing cars, the push for producing hardware and charges are enormous. And that will drive a lot of new players to the market to make sure that this demand is uh, sort of taken care of. It might take a little while and I am frustrated. I am uh, sort of impatient by nature. But it's just a proof point for me that this is coming. And sure. it might be that we need to wait a little longer than anticipated. But at the moment, the push is driving the market. It's not, not a political push. It is a consumer and uh, industry push, which will happen. And mm. this is happening around uh, around the globe. And then, of course, the power grid, the ability of the power grid to actually connect these chargers Absolutely. is the next bottleneck. Mm. And sort of that is where my main concern is that because the rest of the market is actually a competitive market where you can have more suppliers just making uh, hardware and making cars. But being able to put new sort of uh, in grid out there, power grids, mm. uh, that is normally a monopoly market. Yeah. And, you know, these markets are very slow adapters. So my true concern is on the integration to power grid. Sure. Because the other market is competitive and they will solve the problem. Right. I'm more concerned about the other ones and they need pos- political assistance to solve the problem. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, very quickly on uh, digitalization, you mentioned uh, how it will be central to the uh, energy transition. Obviously, digitalization could also play a bigger role on, on the grids, on the power grids as well. How important is digitalization to the energy transition? Uh, for me and for the thing we do in Spiri, it's uh, it's core. Right. Uh, we do nothing which is not totally digitalized and that comes from sort of the uh, end user solution with the user experience out there. It's truly digitalized. It's like with an app or even now with uh, uh, plug and, and pay. Like mm. you don't have to do anything at all. You just have to put in the cable in the charger. Yeah. Uh, it's also in the next phase uh, vehicle to grid which is automated. It's automation of getting uh, sort of the ordering of a charger so you can do that online and with just one push and you have it. The next thing you see is the charger out there. It is also for the B2C market. They can order it online, automated, making sure they can come to market as fast as possible. So in my point of view, digitalization of the product and the solution mm. is sort of uh, sort of the key to the future. And that has also been built in in the software solution which is provided because that's the only way to scale fast across segments and also across countries and continents as our our sort of ambition is with our spirit journey. So uh, before we go then, Tora, thank you very much for your time today. 
before we go, I'd be interested to hear what advice you might give to any new uh, entrepreneurs uh, looking to enter the energy sector, maybe even in e-mobility, that have maybe a young startup company. What advice would you give them navigating this complex world? First of all, I would uh, give them advice, do it. Just do it. <laughs> That's the first thing. But of course, do it uh, intelligently. And uh, that would be uh, to look for the new opportunities. Uh, and new opportunities could be a small or a big thing. Whenever there's an opportunity and the pain to be solved, there is an, a sort of opportunity to solve that problem in a different way, like we did with Spiri on a, the transition of the EV market. Uh then be aware of the competence you have. Do it within an area where you have the competence, but also the desire and sort of the energy and motivation to do it. But that's a big driver of sort of uh, getting success. Mm. And then maybe the most important, uh, always use your ecosystem. Uh, with And when I say ecosystem, the people you know, mm. sort of the, the network you have, because no matter how great an idea you have, uh, you will not be able to do it alone. No. You will be sort of dependent on the ecosystem which you already built upon uh, and the knowledge base you have. So uh, be open in your approach to building something and be open to discuss this with the the, the network and the ecosystem you have. Uh, but first and foremost, do it because that's sort of my, the thing and the learning from my point of view yeah. that you will never succeed without uh, doing a, doing nothing. You will succeed by trying. And it might be you won't uh, succeed the first time, but if you have the passion for it, do it a second time. And in, in the end, if you have the right idea, you have the right competence, you have the right ecosystem to build upon, uh, you will succeed. Sure. Uh, uh, so go out there and try it out. Good. Fascinating. One, uh, finally, before we go, one question I ask all of our guests on Energy Enablers is, and it's a very, very big question, um, but will the energy transition succeed? I would say it will. Uh, and by first and foremost, because it have to. Of course, that is a belief, but it's also a very strong belief. And I would say that it's already succeeding. I know we talked about bottlenecks. I know we talked about delays in mm. hardware uh, supplies coming out there and sort of the connections being made into the power grid. But as you sort of see across the globe, EV sales are record high. Uh, fossil fuels, are be, uh, cars are being banned. Uh, large corporations uh, are sort of transitioning into this market. And why are they, all of this happening? Because it's a mass trend right now, which is succeeding. People are asking for an EV. People are asking for charging infrastructure. And all the bigger players are now looking into the market because they can see, well, we have waited a while now, but this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. So you can see, I will not take the success <laughs> up front, but it will succeed. And by some part, it's already succeeding in the way that it have generated a big, big push for doing this. And this comforts me a lot in sort mm -hmm. of also making sure that we can go into a fossil-free, zero-emission world of mobility within the near future. Absolutely. Tor, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. My thanks to Tor for joining me on Energy Enablers. I was particularly interested in Tor's frustrations with the slow development of the transmission systems. I'm sure many people will feel the same. I'll be back soon with another fascinating enabler. In the meantime, do check out Foresight's other podcasts. You'll find me, my co-host, Jan Morosner and Michaela Hull on What Matters, or join Sam Morgan over on the Policy Dispatch. Finally, be sure to check out the rest of our in-depth journalism over on www.foresightdk.com so you can stay informed on the dialogue around the energy transition. Thanks for listening.